Uh, I spent most of my time fixing up your handout, so I mean, I I have to with, with working a working a job or thing. I have to do one thing or the other: put stuff on the screen and, and type all that in, or type it out on here. So you won't be getting as much up on the screen uh, because I just I don't have. This week has run me ragged. We are finishing up. This is the last full week for Metro and uh, uh, trying to get things uh, uh, finished up there. But uh, last week was basically the, uh, just kind of an introduction, and this is really going to be the first lesson that we're going to be talking about uh, uh, tonight. And I've entitled this lesson, Revelation of the Almighty. Revelation of the Almighty. And uh, we're going to first begin reading in Revelation, the first chapter. We're going down to verse 4 and read through verse 8. And we're going to talk a little bit, and we're going to read further. We ended up last week with verse 3 is where we got, and we're going to pick up where we left off, verse number 4. And it says, John to the seven churches which are in Asia. Grace to you and peace from him who is and he who was and who is to come. And from the seven spirits who are before his throne and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler over the kings of the earth. To him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. And has made us kings and priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with clouds. And every eye will see him, even they who pierced him. And all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him, even so, amen. I am Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is, who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. Um, as we open up this lesson tonight, we're going to get involved with a revelation of who exactly Jesus Christ is. One of the greatest controversies within the church has been on the doctrine of the Godhead. The question raised, how many persons are there? The majority today accept the concept of three separate but co-equal, co-eternal divine persons. Now, I've got all of this typed out for you, and what we're going to do is just kind of read down through here and talk just a little bit about it. The conflict, this conflict over the Godhead began in the year 325 A.D. at the Church Council of Nicaea. Emperor Constantine convened the council to set up issues of doctrine in the church. Early Catholic leaders were given prominence in this uh, council, one of which was a man by the name of Tertullian. 
who coined the word Trinity. Now, everything that I'm giving you here right here uh, is open church history, and anybody can find this if you want to take the time. You don't have to do no more like I did years ago, go to libraries and get all kind of books and encyclopedias and, and history books. Uh, most of this stuff that I'm telling you tonight, you can get on your computer and you can Google it and uh, and, and, and you can find this information out. It's what I'm telling you here uh, tonight. Uh, this this man um, uh, by the name of Tertullian, he's the one who invented the word, who coined the word Trinity and used it to define the Godhead even though the word is not recorded in Scripture one time. You will not find the word Trinity in the Bible, not even one time. That word was conceived in the mind of this man who was an early church bishop, Catholic bishop, uh, and uh, he was one of the leaders in this council. uh, And uh, when they came together, they formulated the doctrine of the Trinity. The Nicene Creed was established and became the foundation of the Catholic Church and carried on by the Protestant churches later on. But what was revealed to John on the island of Patmos and recorded in Revelation was totally ignored by the early church fathers as they constructed a doctrine with no scriptural basis at all. Now, what you're going to do tonight, you're going to find out the chief difference between why our church is called apostolic. We go past the year 325 A.D. when all uh, all other doctrines was formulated uh, within the, within the Catholic Church, and we go back and pick up our beliefs and our teachings from the apostles themselves. What the uh, what the Bible says. That's that's what that's why we're called apostolics. We are well. We believe the apostles' doctrine. And if the if, if you can't find it taught by the apostles, we don't teach it. Uh, and that's uh, uh, that's the main uh, difference. Uh, John had a revelation, and uh, while he was while Jesus was on the earth, uh, John was closer to Jesus than any of his disciples. I'm, uh, he was the closest one. Uh, he he was the one who leaned over. On uh, up on the chest of Jesus at the Last Supper, uh, and um, they they were very very close. But now, while John uh, was on this island uh, of Patmos, uh, the Lord revealed everything about who He is. Now, here's some things down here at the bottom of your page. That we read, and uh, it came out in those scriptures that we read. Referring to Jesus, it said, Him who is, who was, and is to come. That's the first designation for the Lord. Okay. Him who is. In other words, He was the one 
that John was looking at in this vision. I got the picture up there of, of John on the Isle of, Island of Patmos. Him who is, the one that was there talking to him. Him who was. Can somebody give me the information of what that means, who was? Well, this 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 was this was back before the crucifixion. Him who is now, him who was before he went away and and left. Uh, who was and him who is to come in the future. As I said last week, he's the one you're going to see at the end of this thing. He's the only one you're going to see. Hallelujah. Amen. It's 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 all in him like the song uh, I'm glad that she sung that song tonight because that just fits this to a T. Then he says he's the Alpha and Omega. Okay. What does Alpha and Omega mean? Well, not not no not exactly. Alpha is is the first letter in the Greek alphabet. He said, I I am A and I'm Z. You know, and he he's everything in between that. You know, think about think about uh, the Greek al- alphabet. You know, alpha, beta, gamma, delta, epsilon. Uh, I um, I studied enough Greek in Bible college just to be dangerous. <laughs> and uh, but he says I'm the alpha. I'm the omega. Then he says I'm the first and the last. Now stop and thank you. I mean, beside letting the Spirit of God lead you, use a little common sense. How many, how many firsts can there be? If we're running a race, and uh, and 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 I say I'm the first one to cross the finish line, what does that mean? You know, you can't have but one first. If you got two, or three, or four, or five, or what, or what? Oh, and by the way. I think it's very interesting, since the early Catholics is the one who come up with this idea of Trinity, and there being three of them. Uh, do you know that the Catholic Church is their top cardinals now is considering including who they call Mother Mary, and put her in the Godhead. They're, they're talking about doing that. They want to add Mary, the mother of Jesus, to, to the Godhead. So we're going, we're going if, if they do that, we're going from a trio to a quartet. Hallelujah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and by the way, uh, I guess they just might as well because they... They don't. They don't pray directly to Jesus. They they pray to Mary. They do their rosary, and they pray to Mary, and hopefully Mary will go tell her son what your prayer is, you know. And then I guess the son will go talk to dad. I tell you what, if all that's got to go on, and I'm just been in a car accident, and I need an immediate miracle, by the time it's passed through all of those, <laughs> I'm, I'm out of hope. <laughs> 
Amen. I don't know about you, but I'm going to tell you what, there's been a lot of times in my life that I've, had, I've called on Jesus. Man, the power in that name. Huh? Well, I said three of the, uh, the trio, the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. That's the trio. <laughs> Poor Holy Ghost lost out. Yep, all right. Okay. <laughs> but Jesus said he's the first and the last. And then the final one here, the Almighty. Man, that seals it. That seals it. Here's Jesus claiming to be the Almighty. I want people argue, want to argue me all the time. Well, you know, where in the world does, in the Bible does Jesus ever claim to be God? Open your eyes and read here. I am He who is, who was, is to come. I'm Alpha and Omega. I'm first and last. I'm the Almighty. And what about the scripture in the Old Testament that most people only use during Christmas time? They think it's meant for Christmas celebration, Isaiah 9 and 6. The prophecy of the coming of Jesus. What was, what was that prophecy in Isaiah 9 and 6? For unto us a son is born. Unto us a child is, unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. Think about that. Jesus is named the Everlasting Father in the Old Testament. My Lord, think about this, because this is important. I, I'm not trying. I'm not trying to be be uh, 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 down in any, anybody, but the Roman, the the, uh, the original Roman Catholic uh, Church is uh, guilty of so much false teaching. I mean, they also teach they they, they teach that Mary resurrected. Do you know that? They teach that Mary resurrected. Just like Jesus, that's how come they prayed to her. They, they, and uh, I hadn't found that at all in my Bible. I, you know the six, six books. Uh, there's a group. Of, there's a group of scriptures that uh, if you do if you do study, it's called it's called the Apocrypha, and the Catholic Church use it as holy scripture. In the group of scriptures called the Apocrypha, you will find all of this stuff where they come up with all of this stuff. Uh, And um, that's where they get a lot of their teaching. But Jesus says, I'm him who is, who was, and is to come. Alpha, Omega, first and last, the Almighty. All right, now, I'm not going to take the time to turn to all of these. Uh, you can do that if you want to later. But it said, it mentioned the seven spirits of God which are before his throne. Now, a lot of people get confused over that. I thought the Bible said there's only one spirit. God is a spirit and there's only one spirit. 
uh, we got to remember, we're studying the book of Revelation, and 95% of Revelation is symbolic. Do not go to Revelation and try to literally literify everything, because you're going to get you're going to get so far off course and messed up, you ain't going to know where you're coming or going. Uh, it's written symbolic, and uh, seven spirits of God don't mean there's seven different personality and different spirits. The Bible speaks about seven different uh, the seven spirits of God throughout the Bible. Uh, in Zechariah chapter twelve, verse ten, you'll find where it talks about the spirit of grace. That's one of the spirits of God. Hallelujah! Aren't you glad for grace tonight? Hallelujah! Uh, in John chapter 14, verse 17, you'll find the spirit of truth. Romans 1 and 4, the spirit of holiness. Man, that's, that's one spirit that nobody wants no part of today. Amen. Then in Romans 8 and 2, the spirit of life. Romans eight fifteen, the spirit of adoption. 1 Peter 4 and 14, the spirit of glory. And then in Revelation 19 and 20, you'll find the spirit of prophecy. Seven spirits before the throne and the Lamb. Uh, Like I said, you got your hand out, and if you want to turn to them with your Bible and look at them later, you can. I'm not going to uh, turn to each, each one of them. Okay, now we have where... Uh, the opening address and everything. Now, we're going to jump down to verse 9, and we're going to begin reading uh, in verse 9 through um, uh, through 11. I, John, both your brother and companion in the tribulation and kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was on the isle that is called Patmos, for the word of God and for the testimony of Christ. Right there, he lets you know why he was there. He was put there. Uh, they placed him on the Isle of Patmos. He was banished as punishment by the emperor. They, at that time, Patmos was a desert island. It was just an empty uh, island. And they banished John there for the word of God that he taught and the testimony of Jesus Christ that he gave. It was a punishment there. He was banished to this island. Uh, And um, so that's where he was, and they dropped him off, and they left him. He said, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. Now, now John wasn't no uh, 21st century apostolic. Because if he had been, he wouldn't have been on the spirit, in the Spirit on the Lord's day. He'd been over there in a cave somewhere, weeping and wailing and crying, Woe is me, woe is me, I'm cast away out here. Not going to see nobody else. He'd be weeping and carrying on. But not John. He was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. That lets me know he started worshiping God. The Lord's day, that's what they called that's what they called uh, the day of worship Sunday back then, the Lord's Day. Uh, and just because he was not in a church with all the other saints, he didn't use that for an excuse for not worshiping. He began to worship and praise God. And he got in the spirit 
And that's how this thing all came about. I was in the Spirit of the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice as is of a trumpet, saying, I'm Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. What you see, write in a book. Now, this is where God told him, I want you to record everything that I'm showing you. What you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia. And then he named them Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. Those were the seven churches. As, you could, as we go down through here, you can kind of you know, check off the things, the list that you had from last week talking about the groups of seven that's in the book of Revelation. Uh, and uh, so here's where God gave him the commandment. And then in verse 12, I turned. He said, I turned to see the voice that spoke with me. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. Lampstands are candlesticks. Um, and I've got a picture I found of this if I can get it up there. I don't know if it's going to go or not. And in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the feet and girded about the chest with a golden band. Yeah, it finally come up. His head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow. And his eyes was like a flame of fire. You see, this was not Jesus Christ, the man now. This was Jesus Christ, the Almighty. Notice the difference of his, his appearance. His eyes was like a flame of fire. His feet were like fine brass, as if refined in a furnace. And his voice as the sound of many waters. That's talking about the loudness of his voice. Uh, how how loud his voice was. And he had in his right hand seven stars. Now we've got seven stars. And out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his confidence was like the sun shining in its strength. My, my. This is what appeared to John on that island. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying to me, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives. Was dead. <laughs> Look at this. I'm the one that's alive right now. I was dead. And behold, I'm alive forevermore. Amen, it said. You know you know what the word amen means, don't you? It means... Let it be so, so be it. Amen. Hallelujah. And um, and I have the keys of uh, uh, hell and death, or Hades and death. Write the things which you have seen, and the things which are, and the things which will take place after this. In other words, I want you to write the things that you have seen, write out what you're seeing right now, and you write down what you're going to see after this part is over with. Okay? The mystery of the seven... Now, now here he tells what these seven stars are. 
the mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. And the seven lampstands which you saw are the seven churches. All right, now let's just, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna talk about this now. Uh, as, as John was worshiping God and had his mind on the Lord on that island, he got in the Spirit. While he was in the Spirit, the Lord began to talk to him. And he turned around to see the voice of the one that was talking to him. And he saw the Lord in his glorified state standing in the middle of seven candlesticks, lampstands. And as we talked about everything being symbolic in nature, those candlesticks represent the churches. They're light. Jesus says, this. What he told his disciples before he went away, he says, I'm the light of the world right now. He says, but when I go away, you're going to be the light of the world. You see, if the world does not see the Lord Jesus in us, they're not going to sin. We're responsible for the, for the world to see Jesus in us. That's how come it's so important for me to do the best I can, to live the best life I can in this world, because I don't care where I'm at and what I'm doing, I've always got somebody looking at me. And I need to be a light to the darkness that's in this world. Jesus is standing in the middle of the churches. He's in the middle of the churches. That's where he's at, his presence. The seven stars are the seven angels of the churches. The angels of the churches, and you're going you're to find, as, uh, beginning next week when we start uh, uh, breaking down each one of these seven churches, he writes to the angel of each church. And the Bible lets us know, the scripture in the Bible, he, he says that, the angels are ministering spirits. The angels represents the ministers uh, of the churches. That's symbolic and what, what, what it refers to. He says, I hold them in my right hand. This is why it's important for us, amen, to, uh, to follow the ministry and the anointing of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's got, um, he, uh, he gave the five-fold ministry to equip the church to give us everything that we need in this life. Amen. And uh, that's what he was, he was talking about, the mystery of the seven stars, which you saw in my right hand, and the seven golden lampstands. The seven stars are the angels or the ministers of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands which you saw are the seven churches. Now, what I want to talk to you, Right now, before we uh, get for any questions or comment, there was a lot more churches. This book was written, uh, and John was on the island of Patmos 
somewhere around the year 97 and 98 A.D. 97, 98 A.D., somewhere in that time span. By that time, there were many churches. Uh, Jerusalem had already been destroyed. There was no Jerusalem when, when the book of Revelation was written. Somebody remember your history and remember when Jerusalem was destroyed? 70 A.D. That's when the Roman armies come in under Titus, the general, and he fulfilled what Jesus said in Matthew 24. And by the way, people without a, a knowledge of, of history... And a spiritual discernment, I, I, I know a lot of people, they take Matthew 24 and try to tie it to things that's going on right now. I hate to tell you, we're, this thing is closer than what a lot of people realize because nine-tenths of Matthew 24 has already happened. It happened in 70 A.D. Jesus wrote about it in Matthew around, um, uh, around 30-something A.D., it was fulfilled in 70 A.D. When, when he, said, he said, not one stone to be left upon another. That happened in 70 A.D. when Titus come in and destroyed the whole place. The Jews scattered and ran to the hills. All of that happened in the year 70 A.D. Uh, and now this is 97 A.D. This is beyond that. And the church, after Jerusalem was destroyed... Um, they also represent seven church ages that's going to cover the whole span of the church age. It shows a pattern of different stages that the church is going to go through up to the end of time. And that's and, and these them seven churches out of all of them, they best suited what was going on and what was going to be a, a perfect picture of what the church is going to be like as it went down through time up to our day and and beyond when Christ Jesus come. That's why he picked the seven churches, uh, uh, those particular churches. 
And of course, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna break down each one of them, what he had to say about each one of the churches, uh, and as we go on in, in other uh, in our other lessons. So this takes us down through the first chapter, and the where John had his vision. He saw the Lord in his glorified form, and he told him about the sharp sword going out, which is the Word of God, and the lights being the light of the world and all of this. And basically, in our lesson tonight, what we're talking about is the revelation of the Almighty and that Jesus Christ was and is more than a man. Um, this is not our lesson so I'm not I'm not getting into that, but I can well show through Scripture, over and over again, that Jesus was and is the mighty God in Christ. Hallelujah. Uh, scripture after Scripture, uh, He was God. The Bible says, manifest in the flesh. First Timothy three and sixteen. God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the Spirit. Uh, one time the Jews came to Jesus and was going to try to crucify him. And Jesus asked him, he says, I've done great mighty works, many works, healings, all this stuff. For which one of these mighty works you want to stone me for? How many remember what they answered him? They said, not because, not for no mighty work, because, but because you being a man maketh yourself God. They ain't never been able to accept Jesus to be God, and they don't accept it today. They don't accept it. But you've got to accept that he is, because the Bible says if you fail to believe that he is, you're going to die in your sin. All right, anybody got any comments or questions about what I've covered tonight? 